Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nathan Grimley, son of Ron Grimley. And so welcome. Nate, what's life like? Life is like a box of chocolates. And you know what? I don't really like chocolate that much. So So you don't like life that much? (laughs) So life has been rough. Man, no. I'm sorry. I mean, all that is true outside of life being rough. No, life's been good. Just got some dim sum, some Chinese brunch, which is delicioso. If you're ever in the area, all our amazing fans, like, I'll go out to dim sum with you. You're not going to pay for it, though. Like, no, the I'm fans not... would pay for it. Yeah. We're at, we're at this point right now where, like, we don't pay for anything. No. You know, like you just walk into a restaurant and the owner's just like, oh, you're one of the hosts of long distance listening. Like, I got you. Like, that's at the point we're at sure. right now in our career. It's a pretty big deal. No, you're right. I haven't paid for anything in forever. Uh, my credit is really yeah. dipping because I've still been buying things, <laughs> but I'm not paying for it. So, no, it's it's a great place to be. It's very freeing um, yeah. until you go sure. to jail. It's a great place to Right now, I'm just locked in a closet hoping no one finds me, but it's just the most free I've ever felt. You know what I mean? That's that's what fame does. It you is. Know, it's freedom. Freedom to be yourself. Yep. You ready to jump in a spammer jam? I am. Speaking of spammer jam... We got three tracks, and Andrew, I'm very curious what you think about these tracks. Mm, I'm very curious what your opinion is. So the first one we have is the track name is Lucid Dream by Juice World. So, Andrew, is this track Spammer Jam? It is a jam. I like the song. I think this is one of those songs that, like, they know certain buttons to press for me that's just like, I'm going to jam out to it. I'm going to kind of bop my head a bit. I might feel a little guilty because I know that there's really nothing to this song and like uh, a machine created this song. But besides that, hey, I think it's a jam. Besides it being like totally uncreative yeah. and unoriginal and formulaic, that's totally a jam. Exactly. It's basically me backtracking this thing as far as I can while still saying jam. So Nice. Yeah. How about you, Nate? So, I I mean, I'd probably agree uh, with everything you said it reminded me of back when i was in middle school there were some of these like weird bands i liked that were like very like electronic mm. just sing a singer singing like whiny vocals with auto-tune pop songs and it's these like really weird like white guys and it sounds like very similar to this type of music outside of like more like his the autotune on his voice and the notes he's singing. So it made me weirdly nostalgic, even though the genres are just like very different. I feel like it's funny how probably like nobody listened to those bands I listened to and they're also not good. But now that type of singing is like 15 years later, like the most like famous type of singing. And yeah. like, I don't know, it's very interesting how the, the tides change. So, yeah, I'm going to say uh, jam as well. So the next track we have is Head Above Water by Avril Lavigne. Andrew, was this what you expected to hear when you saw Avril Lavigne next to the, the song? Yeah, I guess. Maybe not. I don't know. It's a little different to me, but also the same. I don't know how to put this. Huh? I kind of like set you up to say like my opinion. Okay. <laughs> well, so, let me give my opinion. 
Just say my opinion. Yeah. Okay. I'll give Nate's opinion. Nate's opinion is that she's done this song before and it sounds all the same and he thinks it's spam. Okay, wait. Well, now what's your opinion? Now my my opinion is slightly different. I think it actually has a really good melody. Melody for it feels good. Production quality is really good. Orchestration is really good in it. I don't know that I've cared for Avril Lavigne since Skater Boy, uh, which was a jam, and I'll fight you on that. But this new Avril Lavigne, or Lavigne, or however it's Avril Lavigne. And the reason I'm calling her new is, have you heard the conspiracy theory, Nate? No. Okay, so there's a conspiracy theory that Avril Lavigne died, and they found a replacement Avril Lavigne. And there's like there's like deep dives you can do on this, like scary stuff. So this new Avril Lavigne sounds similar to the old one. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I but thought it I thought it was like a straight up worship song. It basically is. And to me, like that's not the stuff. And I mean, maybe there's like little things in the instruments that are similar, which I didn't notice. But like to me, it was like I was expecting like some. Hey, hey, you, you, I don't like a girlfriend. Yeah. And then she was like, God keeps my head above the waters. I mean, that's not at all what the melody is like. I just made up that melody. Oh, I tune it and it's going to sound great. Beautiful. Yeah. But like she, I just thought that she like totally changed up her style yeah. and almost like genre. And I'm just curious, like, what is this? Like, yeah. is this like some like new life statement? Is this just like trying to grab fans from the christian audience like maybe get on some yeah. christian radio stations i don't know but i yeah. just thought it was an interesting song yeah i don't know if i ever specified but i think it's a jam i like it what do you actually think this is one of my like i need to know her motives before whether i say it's a jam or spam like if i'm assuming that she's just like writing this song with pure intentions i'll say it's a jam but if it's just like a marketing ploy then i'm gonna say spam so just as spiritually focused, we have I'm a Mess by Baby Rexa or Rexha. I have no idea how to pronounce her name. Um, and by baby, I mean B-E-B-E. So, Andrew, is this spam or jam? So I went into the last song looking at the title, looking and seeing it was Avril Lavigne and going, ah, that's going to be spam. And then I listened and I was like, ah, oh, that's jam. I looked at the title of this and so it was bb rexa however you pronounce that and i thought oh that's probably gonna be spam and it's spam (laughs) (laughs) so i was correct 50 50 i i nailed this one um okay and maybe i'm a bad judge at this because the first song doesn't do anything unique but somehow it's a jam for me this song does nothing unique and is overdone and i think it's spam i don't know what the difference is Except I just think that the style of Lucid Dream is a little bit more current and a little bit yeah. more new and not just like overdone yet. Where I'm a mess is just like pop over the past like 10 or 15 years. And yeah. it just like sucks. I, I wish they would have just replaced the word I'm with this song is. And then it would <laughs> just be this song As is a, a mess. As a musician, I'm yeah. a mess. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nate, what were your thoughts? I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. Spam. <laughs> nice. Well, that does it for Spammer Jam. Make sure to check out our Twitter where we have all these songs posted and you can vote for Spammer Jam for each one and let us know your thoughts.
Welcome to Top 3, where we go over top three albums or top three artists or top three whatever, uh, music-related, of a specific category. And this podcast, we have top three disappointing albums. Overall, it's an album that you were expecting to be awesome. Maybe your friend hyped it up or you had liked the band before and were like so excited for the new album. I don't know the background, but you had wicked high expectations. And then you listen to the album and you were very disappointed. So, Andrew, would you like to go first? So my number three is going to be Paramore, Paramore. So it's their self-titled album. It would be their technically fourth album release. As a band, it's right after the Pharaoh Brothers had left and they released this album just self-titled. It's called Paramore. I was huge into Paramore. They had put out some of my favorite music at that point. Uh, Brand New Eyes would have been their newest at that point. But yeah, they'd released some singles that were actually written while they were still kind of the previous band with the Pharaoh Brothers. And those tracks were like super good. And so I was really excited for their new album, assuming, oh, hey, this is going to be really good. And I was super let down. I've tried even after I was let down. I then tried to go back. I I waited, listened to it again, still didn't love it. Waited again, listened to it, didn't like it. It's at this point that I've just accepted that I don't like this album. There's a good song here, good song there, but as a whole, the album for me is just extremely disappointing. So Nate, what's your number three? My number three is A Fever Dream by Everything Everything. So Everything Everything back in 2016, came out with the album Get to Heaven. Well, that was the U.S. date. Um, I think it was released in 2015 in the U.K. But they're a U.K. pop band, and they're just, like, nuts. Like, so crazy, so creative, so catchy, so vibrant, so explosive. Like, I lo- like Get to Heaven is such an amazing album. Tori and I went to their concert where they were featuring that record. It was so cool. And I just had wicked high expectations because this is a genre that I have never really, I mean, I didn't even know existed first off, but just like, it's just such a unique album. And I was so excited to kind of expand my love for that genre and that style with their new album. And it just came out and it's like, okay, it's just like very mediocre for them. And I don't know, just very sad, very disappointed. I feel like a lot of their songs on get to heaven were very distinct even the song structures themselves were just very standalone and very creative and i just felt like on a fever dream like everything just like bled together for the most part and just like it just wasn't that much of a standout album so what's your number two andrew my number two is the album this light i hold by memphis mayfire memphis mayfire had been for a while my favorite metal band and their challenger album still to date one of my favorite metal albums of all time i loved it the next album unconditional was good it was a bit of a letdown comparatively but i think at least for myself and maybe for nate as well we already did a listening party actually with these latest albums but when unconditional came out i think maybe for both of us, we kind of gave it a slight pass because we just realized that they weren't going to be as good as they had in the past with Challenger or even The Hollow, some great albums of theirs, and kind of like, ah, it's not as good, but it's still good and still had some really, really good tracks. 
finally they put out this light I hold and they went from a metal band to a rock band. They really only a few of the songs do they even scream in. The same vocalist that does singing does screaming Maddie and so they just had him sing more than anything and they had Papa Roach join them on a song which is totally fine but it actually the album feels more like a Papa Roach album than a Memphis May Fire album like it just feels like it's hard rock but it's not metal and Mm. so I always commend bands for changing but I think unfortunately they went from a crowded metal genre where they at least stood out a little bit to an even more crowded, just straight rock band, and now they don't stand out. And I was super disappointed. They'd released, I think, like two singles from the album, and I liked the first, didn't like the second. And then when the whole album came out, I was like, Ugh. it's just not, just not that. It's just great. not a good rock album. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of sucks. Uh, it does suck. But speaking <laughs> of sucking, Nate, what's your second most disappointing album? So. I said that the band that got me into music was Switchfoot with the beautiful letdown. Not got me into music, but it was like real. It was the first album I ever owned, like very nostalgic for me. So from beautiful letdown all the way through fading west, I liked every single album. And yes, I like some more than others. But also, I think it's hard to disagree. And obviously, music is subjective. But if you disagree with us, then you're wrong. So like Hello Hurricane, Vice Versus, and Fading West. Those are their three best albums. So their new album after Fading West was Where the Light Shines Through. And my point, like they're coming off with so much steam, so strong. And it's just like they just released easily their worst album. And I'm just like, just was very disappointed. Tori and I listened to it in the car and I was so excited and it just totally let me down. That being said, there's a few good songs on it and some songs like one of my favorite Switchfoot songs ever is on it, which is If the House Burns Down Tonight. But like overall, I feel like Switchfoot gives consistent albums that are cohesive, even if they are genre pushing. And I just felt like this album was way too all over the place, had no identity. It was also a little too like CCM, like with the title track and I don't know. Just very disappointing. My mood is getting like worse and worse just talking about it. Okay, Andrew, what's your number one? So during my youth, I had a favorite band, and their name was Red. And they were my all-time favorite band. I saw them in concert so many times and loved everything that they did until release the panic until they released release the panic yes so their best album is innocence and instinct it was their second album facts it's just yeah if you listen to red that's obviously their best album after that they released until we have faces which 90% of that album is really good there's 10% that i could probably do without but all things considered very solid follow up especially when you're following up your best album There's always going to be a bit of a drop-off. And I think even at that point, everyone knew Innocence and Instinct was probably going to be their best album they'd ever release. So even Mm -hmm. after they released another album, we're all like, okay, yeah, it's, it's not as good, but it's still insanely good. still showed progression. One thing that Red did that was more unique than most other bands was they would have a full full-on orchestra and a lot of violins, cellos, and a lot of orchestration, a lot of symphonic stuff happening during 
their really dark sounding rock music. It made them stand out as a very unique band and it fit their style and everything they did so well. It's the reason they were my favorite band. They put a lot of thought into everything, loved it. Then they worked on and released Release the Panic. The producer that they were working with, which will remain unnamed because I do not appreciate this producer. He has killed a lot of bands that I've enjoyed (laughs) over the years. So if you want to find that name, it's not going to be that hard, but I won't do it on air here. He got a hold of them and he goes, hey, so you know how everyone loves that your music (laughs) has, yeah, your music has all this symphonic stuff. Well, I want to make sure that you guys are progressing as a band. So you're not allowed to do any of that. And Basically, he pushed them to not use any violins, any instruments like that, and tried to just make them more of a straight-up rock band. The album sucks. It really sucks. I've tried to go back. I can get into a song or two more than I even could at that point. But again, album extremely disappointing. They've released, I believe, two albums since that. And since that release, they went, obviously, with a different producer and went back to their more symphonic rock and it's solid it's not it's not insanely good or anything but it's at least solid again and so that album still in in their whole discography and everything so disappointing and for a younger andrew at that point it was <laughs> devastating because they went from my favorite band to like me trying to force myself to like the album and like no matter how much i'd like psych myself up into like hey, it can't be that bad there's got to be something good <laughs> and then i'd listen i'm like why is this so bad <laughs> it, it was really frustrating and i just I was so disappointed. I don't know that, again, that's why it's my number one. I've never been as disappointed because I've never had such high hopes and have them just be, like, dashed so bad. But, Nate, maybe your album was even worse than mine. So what what is your number one? So Release the Panic was, like, number, like, four on my list. <laughs> like just it like, just missed being included. So, yeah. Uh, so my number one disappointing album, and this is fairly fresh, is... Noonday Dream by Ben Howard. So Ben Howard, singer-songwriter, first record, Every Kingdom, second record, I forget where we were. Amazing songwriter. His first record was very big and kind of a part of that whole movement with like of Monsters and Men and Mumford and Sons when those bands were really on the rise. And it's just like a really great like acoustic, folky, like album just like beautiful every kingdom then i forget where we were as like this really dark sad thoughtful dense thorough album and it's just so well it's sad but it's also like beautiful and noonday dream is just like what is happening it's like pretty much every single song on the album sounds like an outro track you know like an outro track where it's like there's no melody sometimes and it's just like this ambient like just like nothing's really happening and you're just like kind of like drifting away that's like what it is it's just like an album of just like drifting nowhere and it just like sucks so like for him being i think one of the best singer songwriters previously of this generation and then to like it's just so disappointing I'm like, again, I'm like lost for words. I'm just like so upset, like talking about it now, especially like 
I'm very big into like my top 10 albums now and stuff. And this was an album which I basically like just like markered in to my list. It was like, oh yeah, Ben Howard, he's coming out with the new album this year. Easy, like easy top 10 album. And now it's like one of my least favorites of the year for albums. I like for not for albums. I like, I don't like this album for albums I knew about and were expecting. So yeah, it is so depressing talking about like you're reliving those memories. Music is deeply personal for people and for us. And so we need something to balance this out. Now, luckily, we can balance that out with a really, really good album. Now's the time you've all waiting for. It's our listening party. We have the album Toss Up by Kevin Crowder. Yeah, I'd say we just get right into this album, baby. Like, let's just go at it start to finish real hard okay so first track is cowboy chloe so andrew what do you think about cowboy chloe i think it's a really good intro song it has a really good vibe to it the guitar picking, the reverb on his voice. He uses a lot of reverb throughout these tracks and, and on this album especially. Just makes it kind of feel slightly older with the reverb. Kind of a throwback in a certain sense of it. My favorite part, there's chimes in an instrumental later after a chorus and it's awesome. Also, just the bass and the drums are really tight in this song. Yeah. What were your thoughts, Nate? Yeah, I was thinking stylistically, I would not peg this on first listening as an opening track. I think it's like the kind of track I would usually peg as a closing track in most scenarios. Even lyrically, it like kind of makes sense as a closer where he's like, did you hear me crying out? Don't you forget about me now? And like that, don't you forget about me now is like the chorus. That sounds like a good way to like close an album. But I actually do really like the song as the opener for two main reasons. I think the first is sonically. I think like you were saying, it captures the album sound really well. Like a lot of the stuff he does on the album is represented here through the heavy reliance on drums and the song hinging on that main guitar riff with the accompanying synths and also like the bells or the chimes, as you were saying. These are instruments that are used heavily throughout the album. But it's also just like a really catchy song. And it's like, even though it's like a little bit solemn and a little bit slow, it definitely is catchy. And I get myself caught singing that chorus a lot. So yeah, I really dig it. Next track, Lonely Boogie. Let's boogie with it. So Andrew, Lonely Boogie. What'd you think? I really appreciate the chord structure of the song. It starts to kind of branch out of your normal four chord song that you hear a lot. Even within indie styles, you still get a lot of four chord songs, maybe a fifth or something. But it's starting to experiment with just weirder chords, which I really appreciate. It's very vibey and moody. And I love it. There's a delay on his voice that kind of helps the atmosphere the whole song. I really appreciate it. I think as a track two, it automatically is now starting to round out what his sound is going to be because it's very different than track one. Shows more of an electronic side 
to his style and still somehow feels like it fits this general feel and style. It doesn't feel like a full departure. So how about you, Nate? Yeah, this song's grown on me a lot. So it's definitely one of the slower tracks on the record, but it's also very atmospheric and cool, especially I really like the instrumental after the chorus. That's the part where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with this. And I think it's funny how in the song he's talking about like jamming to a lonely boogie. And that's like stylistically what this song is for people who are listening. It's like when somebody like a country singer writes like this is a sad song about losing my baby. And people who lose their significant others like listen to it as a sad song. I don't know. It's just cool how he's talking about listening to a lonely boogie. And it's like this is a lonely boogie. It's a lot cooler than the country version of it because we hate country. Screw you country people. Go go take your beer and your your blondes and your pickup trucks somewhere else. If if you like country music or consider yourself a country person, we love and accept you with open arms. And everything I just said was a joke that I actually mean. So get out of here. <laughs> okay, so the third track we have is early skate. Yeah, let's get it. So, Andrew, were you able to skate along with the song? I don't own roller skates anymore. (laughs) I wish I did. It does bring me back, though. It's kind of funny because I'm not sure if that's what he's going for, but the song does remind me of a song from, like, the 90s. And I was actually showing my wife Amy this song, and she goes, oh, it kind of sounds like something off the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. (laughs) And I go, oh, man, like, that's actually, like, a good point. It kind of, even though I'd not heard the song before, it almost feels nostalgic how the song is put together. And so I love that. Like, you can't write a new song that's nostalgic, or I didn't think you could, but apparently you can. (laughs) And so, again, it reminds me of a song kind of from the 90s when I would have owned a pair of roller skates. The bass and guitar work in the song is really, really good. They're really tight, how they're both moving, but... They're complimenting each other instead of detracting from each other. And then the walk down in the chorus is probably my favorite part. Just again, the chord structure and it walking down in the chorus is awesome. How about you, Nate? So this was the first single and the first track off the record I heard. I really like the drum beat and the song is just like so, as you were saying, so dang smooth and catchy. And I love when you hear a single by a new band or a new artist and you're like, oh my goodness, is this it? Like, is this like that awesome new band or that awesome new artist that I was like waiting and hoping for? And it's like, this was the song I had that with. And it's cool after waiting on the album and everything, like being not let down at all. So I just gave away what I feel about the rest of the album. But anyways, I think the song is about Kevin trying to find purpose. And I don't know if that's what the song is about, but that's what I think it's about. He sings in the last chorus, but it's really quite a shame that it's gone to waste. I was starting to feel so whole. Feels like every single day is such a piece of cake. I was trying to bring some home, which that line's funny. As I slowly roller skate through a wall of hate, I was hoping to save my soul. But what's it for? So it's just like very like existential, like 
what am I doing? Like, how am I handling life? And like, what hope and what purpose do I have here? So that was a very creative way of writing a song like that. So next track, track four is Suddenly. If you'd like to listen, listen. So, Andrew, I want to know what your thoughts are on this track. So, suddenly, I do really enjoy this song. His vocal harmonies are at their best in this. He has some really cool vocal harmonies. He does throughout these tracks, but I like them best in track four here. His use of synths are really awesome throughout the album, but this is maybe one of my favorite times as well. His synths are unique enough that they stand out, but they're not really harsh. And they're also not predictable. Like, he's not just picking the same synths that you've heard in a hundred different tracks before. But he's actually going for something unique and that actually feels like it's something that he created. Even though most of these synths, you might tweak a couple things, but they're fairly uniform. Like, they've already been created and you're just playing them. But they sound unique. And especially this song, but throughout the album. And I really appreciate that. So, I wrote another banger. That was my first my first thoughts. This is just another banger. Very similar to Roller Skate in that sense. The vocal bridge with those harmonies, just as you wrote. The chorus, the overall instrumental. What more could he ask for? I mean, honestly, the song has got the whole package. Lyrically, to be honest, like I mentioned earlier, I have no idea what he's talking about in most of his songs, which I actually really like. He writes in a way where you know there's meaning and there's stuff you can take from it easily. But to be able to dissect what he's thinking can be difficult. So my best attempt for the song Suddenly is I think he's talking about his desire for immediate satisfaction with his willingness to do anything to get it and also complete unawareness of where or what it is, that satisfaction and his need for others to tell him where to go and what to do. So it's almost just like this person who's just like blowing with the wind of like, what can make me happy? Please tell me. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. But this desire for like immediate hope and satisfaction and to suddenly be satisfied. So that's kind of the way I took it. That might absolutely have nothing to do with what he was actually writing, but that's what I got. So the next track is Restless. So yes, listen. Andrew, your thoughts? Yeah, my first thought, especially when it's starting, it has a very, like, I'm going to use a band name as a verb, but it's a very, like, mute mathy vibe. So uh, I created a word yeah. there. But it does feel, because it's extremely electronic, but it's also not like a dance electronic. It's just like a really vibey electronic. I love that there's an instrumental right in the middle of the album. It's kind of cool. Also, it doesn't really say it's an instrumental, so yeah. you don't really know. And then all of a sudden you're like, 
we're like halfway through the song and he hasn't <laughs> sung anything. But I think it's actually one of my favorite instrumentals I've ever heard. Oh, I wow. would be interested to know what melody he could have put on top to make it like a an actual song. But as far yeah. as just like it being an instrumental, it's super well done. It's layered really well. There's like a kind of a plucking bluesy guitar in there. The bass, the synths. I, I could just listen to it basically for hours because it puts me in a good mood whenever I listen to it. So I really enjoyed it. How about you, Nate? So I wrote down a prediction on my notes and it was literally the only thing I wrote for my notes on this song. And my prediction was wrong, but I wrote down, Andrew is going to say, I love the lyrics on this track. Uh, I almost (laughs) did. I almost did. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to be cooler because my wife thinks that my jokes are terrible and she's just like hey you need to like joke less and so i'm like i took my wife's advice Advice. and was like okay i'm not gonna say anything about the lyrics now even after i didn't after you were talking about it there was still a part of me that's like maybe i should ask him what he thinks about the lyrics or like (laughs) something about that and so uh, hey if it makes your prediction wrong i'm pretty glad i did it in the end so yeah all glory to god man all glory to god I, uh, I'm just going to echo everything you said. I think it's just a awesome instrumental and it really does serve a very good purpose on yeah. this album. The next track is Keep Falling In Love. Was it love at first sight for you? Yes, but sight, I mean, listen. This song, as far as all the songs so far, it's like you get to this song and you realize that you kind of love what you've been listening to, in in my opinion. Not that you haven't hopefully enjoyed the songs, but it's like at this point at like track six, you're kind of just sold. Like, I don't care if seven, eight, and nine suck. (laughs) Like, this is a good album. And I, I love this song. It's kind of, it's funny. Every time I read the title, I get the melody stuck in my head. And literally last night, last night I was trying to sleep after listening to the song and I couldn't because all I was doing was like feeling the beat and just had that same melody stuck in my head. And I couldn't fall asleep because it's like just stuck in my head and I wanted to re-listen to it, but I couldn't. And that's always the hardest thing, but it's, it's the coolest chord progression that he's had so far it's extremely jazzy extremely bluesy this is where you hear definitely a lot of his jazz influence with the song it also is it's just my favorite lyrics of the album like we talked about a lot of his songs the lyrics are really beautiful and you don't always know exactly what he is meaning or saying this one is still really beautifully written, but it's also finally a song that like doesn't have complex lyrics in it. Like you understand what he's actually saying. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of him spoon feeding you finally with some lyrics that you understand, and they're really good. It's not him just using the exact same ways of writing a love song as everyone else. It's still unique. It's still very him, but finally, it's very easy to understand lyrically. So. It's it's my favorite lyrics because of that. It's just very simple. But what were your thoughts? So this was the second single released after Roller Skate. So if you only know Roller Skate, 
like I feel like I was expecting like the whole rest of the album to be kind of in that like very consistent not a lot of vocal range just like very smooth and so the first time I heard this song I like did not like it I was like this is nothing like roller skate it's like so much higher and it's just like felt weird in comparison I was expecting a song like suddenly to come out because suddenly to me is very much like roller skate but this is nothing like roller skate and as I listen more and more it's just like man this song's so dang good it's wicked catchy he's hitting those high notes with ease throughout the whole track and I think what's cool for the song for the lyric and music is like what he sings lyrically matches his vocal performance where he sings like i feel so high i don't ever want to come down or like being so in love he never wants to come down and just being at this like wicked high place of euphoria and love and he sings in his like upper range like the whole entire song and so i like that stylistic choice based off the lyrics i think it's it worked really well so the seventh track out of nine is who do you know So, Andrew, what do you think about Who Do You Know? My thoughts with this song are, it is super good. My favorite part of the song is that the time signature changes throughout the song, and it creates a really great pocket for everything, and has just a very unique style. You kind of think, by song seven, that he wouldn't be adding another layer of musical intricacy, but he is. I mean, he's not he's not messing around. Track seven, it doesn't matter where, but he keeps adding layers of music of just very intricate sounding instruments. I love again the time signature changes throughout the song. They're just insanely tight and unique. What were your thoughts, Nate? Spoiler alert! Uh oh! Please, please skip ahead if you don't want to hear the spoiler alert. This is my uh, favorite track. I think this is this has the catchiest chorus for me of all the tracks and that's like that's saying a lot yeah (laughs) that's saying a lot and i think it has one of the coolest instrumentals with the bridge and also i think it has one of the easiest lyrics to connect to and i think what he's just talking about is this overall sense of loneliness that comes when we lose sight of the people and relationships that we need compared to other things that we think will make us happy or fill a void in our lives. So, and loneliness is something that he talks about throughout the record. So I think it's arguably the most important theme listening to this record. All right. Second to last track, barely on my mind. So, Andrew, unlike Keep Falling in Love, I'm assuming this one didn't get stuck in your head because it was barely on your mind. <laughs> you did it. That I was did it. That was the joke. That was the joke. That was it? Oh, so good. 
so good. Okay. Well. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, it's a very sad song. I I think in general. Now, it reminds me of this. I told my wife it reminds me of this. And she thought I was crazy and stuff. So maybe I'm just crazy. But it reminds me of a song that would be playing in a movie right after a breakup. Now, that also probably has to do with the whole lyrics and vibe of the song. That it basically is, is a breakup song basically is at least what i took away from it and so the music and the lyrics and everything fit that but i love it i think it again very moody very sad yet i love the song i think it's really good how about you nate yeah i agree i wrote it's basically a love song full of regret um i think it's the simplest song musically but Probably he's like crying so much that like he doesn't have time to like add and he does he does add layers throughout the song, but the beginning is very uh, bare compared to the rest. But he just creates this kind of empty and sad feeling in musically, which is interesting because like I'm tempted to be like, oh, this is the song that I like the least of all the songs. But I think it does its job so well. <laughs> it's like the point of the song isn't supposed to like make you feel happy. It's supposed to like make you feel awful. And it does that kind of with like the way it's structured and how sad Kevin's lyrics are and just how sad he sounds as he sings them. So, yeah, we're here with the last track. Toss up. Listen, please. So, last track, Andrew, what are your thoughts? I'm sad it's the last track at this point, nine songs, but it rounds out the album really well. It's a really good closing song, both kind of lyrically and especially instrumentally. It does a great job of there's just like halfway through the song, it just turns into an instrumental and just stays an instrumental the rest of it and kind of does this thing where it's like slowly but surely kind of fades out and then it really ends and then there's a bit of just like a drum machine that keeps playing and that fades out and that's the end. But I think it's a perfect closing song. I I just feel like it rounds out the album really well. It has elements of a lot of other songs, which I appreciate that it like kind of picks and chooses certain parts from throughout the album to kind of remind you of what you've listened to and then puts it together in kind of a new way to end the album. So I think it, I think it fits perfectly as a closing track. How about you, Nate? So after hearing all the tracks, this is, as you said, so clearly the right choice for the closing track. The song does everything well, and it also ties everything together musically and lyrically. So Kevin closes the album singing, take my hand because we're really alone in this world. I can carry you home and be there and pretend like I'm strong enough, which, again, I just think overall throughout the album, these feelings of loneliness. And honestly, it's kind of like a hopelessness that permeates throughout the album. Then, yeah, I just think that the instrumental at the end is like such a beautiful way to end the album. I don't think there's really much else to say outside of that. Before we get into our rating, we're just going to go over our favorite songs. As I already mentioned, mine is Who Do You Know? Though 
I would say like at least like four or five of these tracks have been my favorite at some point. <laughs> um, so Andrew, what's your favorite track? Yeah, I was having a hard time deciding between two of them. I could have picked any of them. And it's funny because Who Do You Know was one of them that I was between. And part of me thought it was just because I love the time signature change so much. Um, uh-huh. And so you picking it as your favorite actually just proves that it's an excellent song so because i was torn between two and you already said the one i guess at this point it's probably an honorable mention but i'll give a different one than you and i'll say keep falling in love nice Uh, i think it's insanely good again catchiest song probably on the album to me at least i know you were saying who do you know is but at least keep falling in love is the one that gets stuck in my head most but it's not just the melody it is like everything about that song so i think it's insanely good i would have a hard time just showing someone one of these songs because the album is that good but yeah if you're gonna check out one or two songs definitely check out keep falling in love and who do you know So we have our rating uh, scale simplified into five categories. The first is instrumentation. The second is vocals. The third is lyrics. The fourth is journey, which is a combination of the flow, consistency, and length of the album. And last category, we got a name for it now. We're going to call it package. And that's basically the production and the album artwork. Um, Even like you could, I don't think either of us will be talking about this, but like the titles of the songs or the title of the album, all that plays into the package of the album and how it's delivered to the listener. So, Andrew, would you like to uh, share your thoughts on instrumentation? Yeah, this is, I believe, the second time I've done this. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Ooh, hot dang. It's insanely good. Every part of this album musically is top notch. Again, very unique in the chord structures, the arrangements of the songs, the instruments used... And just the layering of the tracks, everything that is done is like mind blowing. It's not rehashing stuff that I've heard before. Everything feels deeply unique to Kevin, while at the same time, not so weird that you can't enjoy it on a first listen and you have to listen again and again. Like it's somehow easy enough to listen to while still having so much more complexity than most music even most indie music so it's 10 out of 10 for me how about you Nate so I like it a lot less than you I give it a (laughs) (laughs) 9.5 so you hate it yeah so I pretty much I hate it but for all the reasons that you said I mean I think that this style I wouldn't say this style I would argue that synth driven music is really taking a comeback because it's so easy to create on different like self-recording software and stuff. And it's like a lot easier than a guitar sometimes getting the mics and the recording equipment and everything. And so like, I feel like it's a style which is honestly becoming like a little oversaturated right now. And for me, Kevin Crowder does it better than anybody else. And he's not the cliche guy. He's not the unoriginal guy. He's the guy who's really pushing boundaries and just making beautiful music. So I gave it a 9.5. Next are vocals, Andrew. I gave that an 8.5. I'm maybe a little lower on that. Not that I do not like his vocals. I actually think they're really, really good for the style. But for some reason, I guess I would assume if someone didn't like his music, maybe it was the vocals. And I would disagree with them. But they're extremely solid. One of the reasons they're also an 8.5. I didn't quite get to the 9 range. 
is that he could probably push his vocals a little bit more at times, whether just singing louder with more passion or some more falsetto or range to it or something. There's stuff he could do. I'm not sure if it would actually fit the style as well, too, so I don't I don't know that. Yeah. But, but all things considered, perfect for the song, perfect for the album. And, yeah, 8.5. How about you, Nate? So I like the vocal so much better than you. I gave it a nine <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I just think my argument is based off of what you were saying about just it fitting the style. I think mm-hmm. his vocals do such a good job of fitting the style and he's very smooth when he needs to be smooth and he's raw and can hit the high notes when he needs mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And the point he feels like just cause he doesn't have like, Josh Garrel's falsettos doesn't mean that like I don't think he's a good singer. Sure. I think his falsettos fit the music and honestly create more of a vulnerability and a relatability. Not that I can sing like him, but just like <laughs> it feels like this album was recorded in his bedroom, but it feels like a masterpiece at the yeah. same time. Like, and that's kind of what I feel like with the yeah. vocals too. It's basically, I think what you're saying is it's like attainable. Some some people you listen to their voice and you just go, I could never ever yeah, sound exactly. like this. But the nice thing for this is like you listen to his voice and you go, he has a great voice. Nothing bad about it, but it actually feels more like down to earth and attainable than most people. So I agree with what you're saying. That's a really good point. And what makes his voice awesome is the creative melodies he chooses to sing and how he fits it with the music. Like he knows what he's good at and he makes it work. So it's not like we're saying like, oh, he doesn't have a great voice. Anybody can do it. We're saying like the tools you need to make good music are not simply, oh, you need to have an amazing 10 out of 10 voice. So lyrics are next. That's the thing I'm lowest on. I gave him an eight. And one of the reasons being, I think as we talked about it, they didn't always make sense. What I do appreciate, and the reason it's not like a, a six or or lower or something, is they're not reused lyrics from everyone else. They're, at the very least, very unique and very poetic. Sometimes they don't make enough sense, but as you had mentioned while we were going through this album, you can tell that they're deeply personal we just probably don't get the meaning as well, which I love. That actually draws you back to them. So that that can be a great thing about it. But because of maybe the accessibility of the lyrics, I did want to give it a slightly lower score with that. Eight still, again, very high, but just a little lower than we have for some other people who have easier to understand lyrics mm-hmm. while still poetic. So I gave it a 8.5 for similar reasons that you said. I do like a lot of the ambiguity of his lyrics, but also, I don't know, it's just like, I think his lyrics are very relatable, but they're not necessarily like lyrics that after listening to, I was like blown away. I feel like they did their role. They did it well. And I mean, that's an 8.5. It's like really, really good. I just wasn't like as blown away by the lyrics as I was the music. So next we have Journey which is a flow, consistency, and length. So I gave this a 9.5 out of 10. It's a thing I'm the second highest on right behind instrumentation. And I think I realized as I was listening to it that I came into this album looking at its nine songs. I'll probably have to ding it a little bit. I personally like when a full-length album is 10 
or 11 songs like a little bit more and i don't like when it's nine songs i always like if you can add a 10th song even Mm -hmm, there was an instrumental in there so you could even make an argument that it's only eight full songs and an instrumental but he makes up for the length of the album being a little shorter with the quality of the flow between the songs each song feels different there's no songs that i go oh yeah this sounds exactly like that other song while having nine unique songs it all still somehow fits his greater umbrella of what he does as an artist and that's really hard to do to not rehash what you've done in a past track but also not sound like you don't know who you are as an artist and you're just trying to do everything and you can't do everything well, maybe, something like that. I think it's great. And actually, when you listen through all nine tracks, it doesn't feel short either. It doesn't feel like it's an EP and not a full length. If you listen straight through, I feel like you get the benefits of it feeling like a full album. So I couldn't really actually ding it like I thought I would or or take any points off like I expected to. I thought it just, all things considered, extremely strong and extremely cohesive as an album. How about you, Nate? So for the journey, I gave it actually an 8.5. And my reasons why are, so I do wish it was 10 tracks. I've become a lot less anal about that than I used to be in the past. I've heard 11 track albums that were 25 minutes. And then there's like six tracks albums I've heard that are like 40 something minutes. So it's like, I think it's like, it's really tough. But then I also don't want to listen to one song that's 45 minutes. Like there is, there is this balance of the amount of tracks with also the length of the album. I think the reason why I'm upset about the length of the album is strictly because of how good it is. Just like, oh, this is like incredible. I just wish it was a little longer. That being said, I also get like if he put in songs that weren't up to the quality of these, it would make the album worse. But I also think he's such a good songwriter. I don't you know, it's just tough. But my main my main reasons why is I think Cowboy Chloe is a cool opener, but it is slower. And so to have Lonely Boogie following it, to me, it just like starts off with a lagging pace. And then with Roller Skate and Suddenly back to back, those to me are the most two similar songs on the album. And then to have them back to back, I don't know. I felt like they could have been spread out in some way, maybe even by having Roller Skate as the second track or something. Because I think if I didn't love the music at first and I listened to the first two tracks, I might not listen to the rest of the album because nothing really jumps and grabs your attention from a pace standpoint. I think it's similar, you know, um, on Absent Sounds, how From Indian Lakes has come in this light and then label this love as the first two tracks. That's kind of like that, where it's like, oh, both these songs are good, but they're both slow on a song that has plenty of fast songs. And I wish one of the first two songs would be a little bit more upbeat. So yeah. Lastly, we have The Package. So I gave it a 9 out of 10. I think the production is mostly why. Uh, I think the layering of this album, and again, the production, the general just mixing and recording of this album is extremely good. It's a very clean sounding album as far as there's not really just a bunch of extra effects, but there's just enough that it's like, it sounds really full and... No matter how many instruments are in, it sounds really full, sounds really clean, 
and I just really appreciate the production of the album. The artwork's really good, too. It just fits the whole kind of 90s throwback vibe that Kevin has, and so I think it fits the album really good. I think if I were to look at the album artwork, I probably would want to listen to this. So I think all things considered, it's it's really solid, 9 out of 10. How about you, Nate? I gave this a 9.5 out of 10 uh, because, yeah, I think the album cover is dope. And I do think stylistically it fits really well, like you said. But I just think his ability to make the album sound so lo-fi and so retro and so old while still being clean and up to date and pure is just like very well i don't know if it's difficult to do but i'm assuming it's wicked difficult to do because i don't know many records that are able to pull that off in the way he does so i think the production for me is just one of the most important reasons for liking this album like you said also like you offered with the layering and the little extra effects that do flood this album but he's also not gimmicky with it either he's not like oh what if i inserted this little thing maybe people would like it then like he's very strategic and very using those little uh nuggets sparingly so overall if my math is correct we both gave the album uh 45 out of 50 which gives us 90 out of 100 and our our grading scores out of 10 so obviously a even and clean 9 out of 10 that puts it i mean not that we're all about like comparing and ranking and stuff but that's so far the second our second favorite album that we have reviewed and listened to so far behind s carrie's 100 acres if you haven't heard that yet go listen to it but yeah this is just such a banger of an album and i'm so glad we were able to listen to it So welcome to our encore. This is a part where even though we're trying to leave, you know, you just can't let us go. You just want one more thought, one more piece of advice or just music knowledge or anything. And so we're really just going to open it up, the amazing vastness of our knowledge and give you one more thought before you leave. So, Andrew, what's your one more thought? I think just as I've been on this journey with this podcast and just in life in general, I've just been learning a lot about perspective, just in general, how you perceive things and how powerful that can be. And so I heard this thing that I'm like, I might get it tattooed on me, but it's just something that's like, it's just a really good reminder of perspective. So don't think of yourself as an ugly person. Think of yourself as a beautiful monkey. Mm. Just... Again, it's, so are you going to get that like just written out or is there going to be any like pictures or I think I'm just going to have a picture of a beautiful monkey and just underneath it say me. <laughs> OK. And then, and then when, are you just going to tell people the quote? Exactly. Because that's the whole thing is a tattoo should actually have deep meaning to you and then maybe yeah. cause someone to ask about it. And so they'd be like, hey, I see you have a beautiful monkey and it says you. So do you view yourself as a beautiful monkey? And I go. I'm glad you asked, Darlene. Uh, I would love to tell you more because all my friends are named Darlene. 
And I would go, yes, I do view myself as a beautiful monkey. I used to view myself as an ugly person, but now I really believe that it's just the perspective that my life needs is viewing myself as a beautiful monkey instead. That's powerful stuff. I don't want to get all preachy on you, but that's just, that's just (laughs) the journey that I've been on. Yeah, I don't just, want to give you a sermon about this. No, but I could. I've been working on it. So <laughs> got a lot of passages to back this up. Exactly. So, Nate, any other thoughts? So I have a knock, knock joke. Oh, some nice. of you may have, or some of you may not. Knock, knock. Do I have to do something here? Yeah, you have to. Um, <laughs> so when I ask knock, knock, okay, you have to say who's there. Okay, sweet. And my response to who's there, you have to say whatever my response was and then say who okay. like asking a question. So like, and then I will give deliver the punchline. Don't you kind of feel like I'm doing the legwork for this joke? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really it's very dangerous. interactive. It is very, very interactive. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's, Ready? let's try this out. Knock, knock. Who's there? Cow says. Cow says who? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to give you nothing. No. I was trying to give you nothing. A cow says uh, Oh my gosh, you're so silly. Uh, yeah. Man. Yep, that, that's my uh, minnow. Well, it's official. I hate knock-knock jokes. <laughs> so, Nate, if people go, hey, we really want to find this beautiful monkey and the cow who says moo where can they find us so they can find us on the gram at l d l pod which is for long distance listening podcast or on twitter we have at l d l pod we also have an email but if you've been listening you know i definitely don't remember what that is so I will uh, find that, and you can email us, uh, Grandma and Grandpa. Yeah, let us know what albums we should be doing in the future. Let us know what you think as far as Spam or Jam, Top 3, album listening, chime in, just all these things. Just let us know your journey, what you're listening to, and anything that we're talking about. Let's have dialogue. Let's do it. Next podcast, we will be listening to the album Malibu Nights by the band Laney. Tomato, tomato.